Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I am your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm in Studio A with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. It is great to be here. Oh, boy, is it great to be here. All right, guys. A uh, lot of cool stuff going on in our world, man. Let me just tell you, the Torah portions are prophetic to our lives, and that's i mean—that's what's exciting about being in the know and being in the Torah portions week in and week out. And so first things first, I want to give you guys my contact info. If you want to reach out to me, my email address is ryan at twopraise.net, R-Y-A-N at twopraise.net, not .com, .net. And uh, I'm just looking at some of the stats of the people that are listening, and I'm looking at some of the cities outside of like the Brandon Valrico area where we are sitting. And so I kind of know the folks around here. Uh, I could talk to them face to face. And the people I want to hear from, if you're listening in Atlanta, Dallas, New York, or Tennessee, I want to hear from you guys. Shoot us an email. Let us know who you are, if you're listening with anybody else, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm just interested to hear. Um, now that's the stuff here domestically in the United States, but we also have some folks listening in Australia, in Norway, in South Africa, and in Germany. And so if you're from one of those four countries and you're listening to this, uh, and you hear the sound of my voice, my email address is Ryan, R-Y-A-N at twopraise.net, T-O-P-R-A-I-S-E dot N-E-T. And so we want to hear from you. We just want to know who you are, like I said, where you're from, uh, you know, wh- if you have a congregation, where you're at, all that kind of stuff. We would just love to connect with you and just touch base with you just to hear uh, who's out there listening. Um, other things that we have, we just had uh, Congressman Ross Spano come to our congregation. That was a great time. We had uh, this past weekend was good uh, as well. Man, it's just been, it's been a buffet, I tell you. Monday night was a buffet. It's doing good. And this tour portion, Toldot Generations, is also a buffet. So get ready. Get your Thanksgiving size plate out because it's uh, we're going to fill it full of stuff today. Uh, the tour portion, Toldot Generations, is found in the book of Genesis, chapter 25 and verse 19, and ending in chapter 28 and verse 9. Awesome. Uh, based upon the Jensen's survey of the Old Testament, that's an interesting book if you want to get it, Jensen's survey of the Old Testament. Uh, Genesis is the book of beginnings. Just a little reminder here is we are actually going over the family tree. <clears throat> you know, the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree, uh, in case you haven't heard. Uh, and of course, the race as a whole is chapters 1 through 10. This is what we have, the book of beginnings, uh, Genesis. But the race as a whole is chapters 1 through 10. Now, uh, chapters 12 through 50 is the family of Abraham. Uh, is anybody the family of Abraham out there? Hello. Uh, pick me. Pick, Welcome. Pick Brian me. says he's pick the me. family of Abraham. I am the family of And Abraham. so anyway, we have, of course, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Uh, what an incredible family from chapters 12 to 50. Uh, a key phrase found in the book of Genesis is these are the generations of. So without further ado, we are going to jumpstart this incredible story 
of Jacob and Esau. That's right. And uh, Ryan's going to go ahead and read uh, Genesis chapter 25, verses 19 through 27 to kickstart Toldot Generations. All right. And it says, And these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, uh, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padanaram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, and his name was Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. Wow, this is the family tree, folks. Let's think about this. Now, Now Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebecca. That's right. So, you know, it's kind of interesting. I was, uh, I was up there in years. Yeah. Let's see. So if I got married in 1999, how old was I? 32. 32. Yeah. So uh, I'm doing much better than Isaac. Yeah. You know, I call them late bloomers, Ryan. So some of us, you know, uh, the, the, the parents with children would say, yeah, my son, my daughter, they're, they're in their late 20s, early 30s. They still haven't married. Well, just think of this as an example for some of you. Yeah. Isaac was 40 when he married Rebecca. So I call them late bloomers. I've got actually some little, some little numbers here for you. You've got numbers? I got numbers. You ready? All right. Okay. So, so how old was Sarah when she died? It was 127 She was 100. She was the only woman who had her age given upon death. That's right. So she was 127, which would have made Isaac 37 when she died. Wow, you're doing the numbers. I am doing the numbers. And so uh, at that point, that means that Abraham would have been still alive at this point, right? Because she, he would have been 137 at this point when Isaac yeah, is 37. 10 years older than right. Sarah. Exactly right. So... So I, I hope you people are writing this down, but not while you're driving. <laughs> well, it's cool because if you think about it, it was three years later that he marries Rebecca. So it, remember, it says that he was comforted after the death of his mother. So he was 40 when he married her. And then uh, that means Isaac again oh, would have been 37. Abraham would have been 137. And then again, 140 and 40. So you kind of see how the, the numbers work there. It's super easy. What's cool about this then is also we see that they get married at 40, and he prays for her. And then like in the same verse, it says, he entreated the Lord, and the Lord was entreated of him all at the same time. So it, it sounds like a very short span. But how many years was it in between when he entreated the Lord and prayed? We don't know. We do know. You know why? We because when they were born, he was 60. That's 20 years. Wow. And that's assuming that they start trying to have children when they're married, that's right? That's a good point. So 20 years. He entreated the Lord. They were barren for 20 years. Years. This is not like, oh, we couldn't have kids this year. And, and you the know, next year this they is like a reflection of Sarah not it being able to conceive. Mm-hmm. There's a struggle there. They have a seed. So, wow. So 20 years she was barren. That's a good point. It I is. I never knew that. And all through this time, Abraham is still alive. Because how old is Abraham when he dies in the last Torah portion? Abraham? Yes. 
He's 175. I'll give that's you right, 175. He's 100. Get ready to look it up. That's right. So Isaac was 75 when um, Abraham dies, which means that when his kids Jacob and Esau were born, Abraham was still alive. So Abraham saw Jacob and Esau be born. There's so an saw, overlapping. There is. And here's the other piece of it. So when you read the Hebrew scriptures, it's character centric. So you see the life of Abraham. One person at a time. Right. And so it goes all the way through and you see the death of Abraham, but then you start the life of Isaac, but we're actually dropping back 35 years back to when, you know, Isaac is, is 40 and then 60. And so Abraham is still alive during this period. How come nobody talks about this? This is fascinating. <laughs> I thought we do. <laughs> I don't even have those notes. Oh, wow. I never even broke that down in 21 years. Really? Nope. Wow. Never, never did it like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, what a treat. <laughs> See, the millennials are good. Uh, well, you know, it's just, you know. It's all factual. It's not exactly like... Show me the facts. It's not numerology. This yeah. is just, you know... That's awesome. Good stuff. So, so of course, you know, Isaac's going to pray for his wife because she was barren. Once again, we know the time frame now. That's incredible, you know. And in Genesis chapter 25, verses 22 and 23, it says, And the children struggled together within her. And she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. Wow. So the Lord gives her this word. You know, she didn't have a sonogram. No. And it wasn't Taco Bell that was stirring in her stomach. You know yeah. what I mean? A midnight snack. You know what I mean? No, she was literally having two children rustling around in her in her womb. And and of course God is God. He makes a distinction between the two people. Sure. And he actually tells Rebecca, because this is going to play out later, the elder shall serve the younger. So mm. she knows this in her mind. And so we're going to see how this plays out later. It's going to backfire. But the bottom line is that she knows this. Mm-hmm. So how many times does God tell us something, but we overreact? But we'll, we'll develop that story as we go. So of course, before Jacob was born, he took hold of Esau's heel. Uh, and of course, Esau was born first and his name means red. So Esau comes out first, then Jacob. But Jacob was born second and his name means supplanter. Okay. Mm. And uh, and so basically... Uh, Literally heel grabber, right? Right. Because, you know, it's interesting that prophecy in Genesis 3.15 enmity between the seeds, uh, between the woman and between Satan, mm-hmm. uh, the two seeds, the woman's seed and Satan's seed. There's enmity between the two. And just remember that there's this prophecy that the heel would be bruised from the one who's crushing the head. Right. So a lot of people say that Jacob was protecting himself from Esau kicking him in the head. Mm. But the connotation is not good to, to see a supplanter, but heel grabber. So, you know, uh, I think Bill Cloud actually brings this out in his book uh, about the, he wrote a book about the seed. So anyway, just keep that in context that there's there's this fight going on in the womb, you know. And then we take our little kids and we fight out in the living room. You know, that's what we do. So as, as we see this, we know that Isaac was 60 years old when his children were born. Uh, and of course, Esau was a cunning hunter and a man of the field. Jacob was a plain man and dwelling in tents. We would call him a mama's boy. Uh, so it's interesting. There's there's also some commentary about that the plain man dwelling in tents meant that he was uh, studious, kind of like Joseph. Right. He, he was studied. Studied, you yeah. know, learning languages, maybe maybe even studying the Torah. Interesting. Um, and, and so I would put this as like blue collar and white collar. 
You know, because I think some people want to make it out that Jacob was kind of a wuss, but I don't know. No, I wouldn't oh. say that. He, I don't know. He, he really, he rose up, man. Yeah, he did. And of course, you know, Isaac loved Esau because he ate his venison and Rebecca loved Jacob. Now they're just letting the story play out. Yep. And you can see the uh, the favoritism already being played out. And that maybe that's happened in your family. Your mom or dad had a favorite, but get over it. I mean, this is in the Bible, you know. Now, my brother and I, he, he's younger than me, 13 months, but my dad loved us equally. So I don't really have that problem. But some of you have had to really deal with this. Now, now Jacob was the first male cook in the Bible. We know that Sarah was the first female cook in the Bible when she had prepared uh, that meal for the Lord and the two angels, the, the three men that showed up. Once again, a theophany. So Jacob was the first male cook in the Bible, and, and I know there's a lot of good uh, male cooks out there and everything. Uh, and so when Esau came from the field and was hungry, what did Jacob want to exchange for his soup, Ryan? Uh, he wanted Esau's birthright. Now, uh, you know, so Brian Anderson was in my group last night, nice young man, and uh, he brought up that I guess one of the rabbis at Hayavel was talking about some of the rabbinical sources, which I think it might even be Jasher um, that talks about this. But the, the question is always, you know, why would Esau give up his birthright for, like, lentil soup? I mean, I like lentil soup just as much as the next guy, but what, how does that make any sense? You know what I mean? That he just gives it up. So I'm gonna, we're going to leave the, the biblical realm for two seconds, and we're going to go into the rabbinical commentary. Yeah, like commentary. Some, extra some biblical. So, food for thought, some ideas. Exactly. Food for thought, eat the fish, spit out the bones, take it for what it is. And so... Um, it says that Esau was a great hunter, and he was a great hunter before the Lord, right? Who else was a great hunter before the Lord? Nimrod? Nimrod. Oh, exactly Nimrod. right. <laughs> so Nimrod and Esau were contemporaries, according to this story, that this, this alternate uh, ending, or so to speak, this alternate narrative. And uh, the coat of Adam that was made by God, right? So God cuts skins of, a coat of skin for Nimrod. Or from sorry for Adam, that coat gets passed down, and Nimrod ends up with the coat of skins from Adam. Okay, Esau kills Nimrod and takes this coat of skin. Right, so now Esau is in possession of this. And this he's going to be a renegade, and he's on a the fugitive. He's on the run from basically all of Babylon, trying to kill him. So when he shows up on Jacob's doorstep, and he's like, "Look, I'm on the run. I haven't eaten. I've been running." I, well, I'm going to die anyway, so what difference does it make? That's an interesting story. It is. It, that, it that is, is an interesting, interesting story. That's well, it's, right. It's also, I've heard it said that, that Jacob was making this soup because of uh, uh, Abraham's death. Right, mourning for Abraham. Mourning yeah. for Abraham. They're mm-hmm. going to have a special dinner. You know, it's always good to, to, to you know, follow up and, and read some different ideas and, and food for thought. I mean, literally food for thought. But <laughs> You know, you the, know. the lentil soup, I, I actually, Bruni, my mother-in-law, was telling me this morning that she was um, listening, I guess, to some rabbinical commentary about the lentil soup in the morning for Abraham. And they talk about lentils being a circle and all this like symbolism around it, why they cook specifically lentil soup for mourning. Like there was a whole thing about oh, that. It. That is interesting. Yeah. You know, and, and of course, the, the birthright means to be the firstling. Mm. See, Esau came out first yeah. and then Jacob. So what Jacob wanted to do is to reverse that and say, let me be the firstling. And he had to give it up. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting because if you have siblings, it, it goes down the family line. The firstborn is, is the responsible one. He is supposed to carry on the family name and the traditions and to keep the family together. But what happens is if that firstborn drops the ball, we're going to see where it can actually go down to perhaps even the youngest. So, so then Jacob True. gave Esau bread and potters of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So he basically just didn't care. 
So we're going to discuss this uh, quickly here, but you know, why is the birthright so important to God and to the individual? I have some resources here. You know, the firstborn belongs to the Lord. That's why he could take the firstborn of Egypt. That's right. You know, the firstborn belonged to God. Uh, that's just a fact, whether animals or whether humans. And of course, you know, we have some interesting things that are happening throughout the story. One of the things I'd like to bring out, if I can, is in Genesis uh, chapter 48, uh, there's an interesting storyline here. In Genesis 48, <clears throat> I want to read it. Uh, I'm going to read verses uh, 19 and 20. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. But truly his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. So Jacob is going to adopt Ephraim and Manasseh, Joseph's two children, two mm -hmm. sons. He crosses his hands, and he gives this, this firstborn blessing, this birthright, to Ephraim over Manasseh. Right. And once again, what did God tell Rebekah? That the elder will serve the younger. That's right. Now, when you see in here in verse 19 of, of Genesis 48, uh, um, you can read it for yourself in verse 19, a multitude of nations simply means a fullness of Gentiles. Come on. Ephraim is going to become a bunch of different ethnic groups throughout the world. Yeah. And the last days, God's going to summon them. But he says, and he blessed them that day in verse 20 of Genesis 48, saying, in thee shall Israel bless, saying, God make thee as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And he said, Ephraim before Manasseh. Now check this out. Abraham, not the firstborn. Isaac, not the firstborn. Jacob, not the firstborn. Joseph, not the firstborn. Ephraim, not the firstborn. Very good. So we, we see a pattern it's here. It's a firstling. And, well, and what ends up happening is that God is is choosing specifically the people that he wants to be this promised seed. It's not by happenstance of birth. It's God specifically ordaining and saying, in you shall all the nations of the earth be grafted in. And, and, and one of the things I'd like to share with you is this. In Jeremiah 31, 9, it says, They shall come with weeping, and with supplications will I lead them. Matter of fact, this is titled A Happy Return, all of 31. Yeah. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of waters in a straight way, wherein they shall not stumble, for I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Mm. This guy just won't go away. No, he won't. Now, the reason why I'm sharing these verses with you, for those of you that are listening, <clears throat> that are not Jewish, remember, Ephraim would become a multitude of nations. And what's happening? People are coming out of the nations alongside the Jewish people, and, 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 and it's important to know that. That's the only way we can explain this phenomenon all over the world. He said, I'll write Torah on minds and hearts in Jeremiah 31, mm -hmm. Hebrews 8. So I'm only bringing that point out. Now, as we go into Romans, remember, we're trying to figure something out. Uh, I don't know. I guess I could just go to Galatians, right? You, yes, because we are the seed of Abraham. While you're doing well, Galatians... You want to do Galatians? No, no, no. Me? You go ahead and do Galatians. I got to go to Romans. I'm, I'm going to go to Romans. You go to Galatians and help me out. Okay. Well, while you're doing that, I'm going to read uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 says this. It says, Now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel... And so it stops there, and it puts it in parentheses, and it says this. For he was the firstborn, but for as much as he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given unto the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel, and the genealogy is not to be reckoned after the birthright. For Judah prevailed above his brethren, and of him came the chief ruler. But the birthright 
was Joseph's. You know, think about it. Joseph had this coat of many colors that his dad made for him, you know, which represents what? Different ethnic groups. Yeah. This ain't about a bloodline. It's no. a faith line. It is now, right. I wanted to look at Romans uh, chapter 9, verse 8. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. The children of the promise are counted for the seed. And the word promise is epigelia, which is a divine assurance of good. So what you're seeing is you're seeing an incredible move of God in the earth today among the Gentiles, that they love Israel, they love the Jewish people, that, you know, we're grafted in, don't have time to get into all of that, right. but we have to explain this as, as Christians with Hebrew roots and not being Jewish, you know, replacement theology is false. Right. The Jews are God's chosen people. The, the scepter will not depart from Judah. Right. But this phenomenon of even the, the Puerto Ricans, I mean, uh, the Mexicans, <laughs> Come on. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, it, it's amazing, you know, uh, what's going on and what's happening. Even in our own midst, we have a, a woman from Northern England that's grafted in. We have, I mean, it's incredible what's happening. India. I mean, this is incredible, everybody, what God is doing. It's like Epcot at Beit Tehillah. Right. Well, and, and, yeah. and, and it's awesome because we get to see it today. What Paul spoke about so much in his letters, a lot of times people even take these things that are talking about identity and who the and, and, and a, a way to justify the Gentiles being a part of Israel, and they mistaken it for that the Torah is done away with somehow. But, but check this out. So here in, in Galatians uh, chapter 3 and verse 6, it says, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, chapter, or verse 7, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham. So who are the children of Abraham? Them which are of faith. So we keep going, and he talks about how Christ has redeemed us uh, from from the curse of the law, and he says, wherefore the, the and that's in verse thirteen, verse twenty four. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. In other words, this is not a bloodline. This is a a passing down of the faith, and that's how you are grafted in through faith, not through bloodline. And it the says, promise is out there for you to attain. It's that's like a, the carrot on the stick. Exactly. And so verse twenty nine of chapter three here in Galatians says, and if ye be Christ's. Then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And we've gone through a bunch of the promises of Abraham. Uh, but one last thing, because in Romans chapter 4, Paul talks about this again. He says, For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, meaning it's not through the bloodline. It's not through a legal heir, right? It's not through a, a passing down from child to child, but through the faith of Abraham. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect, because the law worketh wrath, for there is no law, where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end, or the result, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not just the physical seed, but to the seed of faith, not only to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of of us all. Now he's talking to Roman Gentiles, the father of. So if Abraham is and the father he was of sent us to all, the Gentiles, the Apostle right. Paul from the tribe of Benjamin. So what I want to say to all of you out there is that this phenomenon of the Gentiles getting the Torah and wanting to do Shabbat, want to go to Israel, love the Jewish people, the capital is Jerusalem, all these things, praying for the peace of Jerusalem. This is how it makes sense, everyone. This is the phenomenon. This is the subject matter we need to be talking about. Because let me tell you something. 
There are no lower class citizens in the kingdom of God. You are the commonwealth of Israel. You've been grafted. And Ephesians 2 talks about the commonwealth of Israel. Once we were far away, we've been brought near. Once we were you know, not a people, now we're a people. Once we didn't have mercy, but now we have mercy. This is all found in Hosea. And it's even quoted by the apostle Paul and the disciple Peter. So we're going to move on now, but just food for thought. Think about it. Get excited for who you are. And, and what God is doing. Uh, we're going to go right into Genesis chapter 26. And of course, we have Isaac. He moves to Gerar. So he's making a move here. And during the time of Isaac, there was a famine in the land. And he went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, to Gerar. Okay. Now, the Lord did not want Isaac to go to Egypt but to dwell in the land. Remember that. You know, uh, we can look ahead because we have the information, but, you know, Abraham and, and Jacob, you know, uh, they, they, had to, uh, they had to go down to Egypt. Uh, Isaac doesn't have to because he is the promise. His name means laughter. He's the epitome. He's the promise. You don't see a lot of drama with Isaac, you know what I mean? And all these other things, or concubines, or handmaidens, or anything yeah. like that. It's just him and Rebecca. See, He's it's pretty a chill. perfect picture of, of Christ and the bride. But Isaac got the same blessing that was promised to his father Abraham. And uh, he says in Genesis chapter 26, verse 5, uh, Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So we're just simply building on Abraham what he accomplished, his descendants, how we are the descendants and how we are moving forward. Amen. And this is incredible. And, and of course, you know, here's, here's uh, Isaac and Gerar with, his, with, with Rebecca. And of course, it, it's interesting because uh, he tells these men, he tells this lie that she was his sister. Now, Isaac lied because he feared for his life. Sure. You know, you think about the uh, the, the days of long ago, you know, and, and, and civilization back then. That, that's a tough road. But he lied because he feared for his life, and I can relate to that. I, I probably would have done the same thing uh, in that situation, I mean, for me personally. But from a window, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, saw Isaac was sporting with Rebekah and confronted him. Hmm. And Isaac said Rebekah was his sister because he didn't want to die. Now, listen, this particular word, sporting, is the same thing that Sarah saw Ishmael doing to Isaac. Mm. So it was a little inappropriate behavior. Interesting. Fondling, touching, maybe. Yeah. Something going on. It's the exact same word in Hebrew that Ishmael was doing to Isaac. Abimelech saw Isaac doing to Rebekah. Wow. So it's just food for thought, something to think about. And Abimelech was concerned that guilty uh, guiltiness could come upon his people if someone laid with Rebekah. So this is where I throw up my question marks. So it's clear that uh, Abraham and Isaac both were of the mindset, and possibly for good reason, that if somebody were to know that that was their wife and they wanted their wife, that they would kill them in order to get their wife. Yeah, I mean, so lying actually is running in the family now. Well, but what I mean by that is that it seems like to the other culture, right? So Abimelech's group and whoever these pagan, the Canaanites are. Yeah. Philistines. That is perfectly acceptable to off somebody to get their wife, but it's not okay to lay with somebody's wife while the guy's still alive. You you follow me there? No. What is that again? (laughs) So in other words, it's unacceptable to lay with somebody's wife while the man is still alive. But for some reason, it seems like it might be okay for them to kill the husband then to take can, the wife. Then you can take her. That's interesting. You see what I mean? So there's got to be something at play. It's like human trafficking, though. I, Look what we have today. That too. And so here's the other piece of it. And this is kind of what was brought up. We discussed this last night. 
And one of the thought processes that came out was, you know, Abraham was a very wealthy man. He was had much substance. Oh, yeah. Okay. And Isaac, too. But he's in a foreign land. So imagine the really rich foreigner living down the street, right? And he's obviously blessed. And then during a famine, you're having a famine on your side, and he's, you know, getting a hundredfold uh, harvest on his crop. So you have this separation that clearly there's a God that's blessing this group, right? So maybe the fear that um, that Isaac had was normally warranted, but these people clearly feared the God that was blessing them. Good and point. so for that reason, Good they point. were afraid right. to touch his wife because they were afraid the God that right. they served would would, would And that's Genesis 26, 11. And Abimelech yeah. charged all his people saying, he that toucheth this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. And we have to keep all this in context, and we're not really familiar with the culture. It's kind of like studying the New Testament, you know. You have to understand the culture, you know, uh, of that time. But after this, this is very interesting. When Isaac sowed in the land in the same year, his return was a hundredfold. Yeah, buddy. So he said, Isaac, you're going to stay in the land, and I'm going to bless you. Amen. I mean, that is so incredible. Yeah. So Isaac, he waxed great. He had possession of flocks, herds, servants, and the Philistines envied him. Oh. There was envy there, you know, and uh, it, it's interesting, too, and I just bring this out. I mean, so so why is envy a sin? You know, think about it. Well, you're just not happy with what God has given you. You know, Mike brought out a very good point last night, even in his circle, Mike Cromwell, one of our elders. He was saying that God gives you 100% of his attention and his love and everything to each person. Yeah, because he's omnipresent. Because he's omnipresent. Yeah. He's omnipotent and everything else, right? So to each and every one of us, God will give us, he'll give us, he'll give us that attention, 100%, each person. Right. He's no respecter of persons. He actually says he doesn't want anyone to perish. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that Mike picked up on a good thing. So why is envy a sin, Ryan? Why is it a sin? You know. So it's like you're looking at something else. It's kind of like, you know, it's funny, like when someone sees this vehicle or something, boy, I wish I had that vehicle. Yeah. But be thankful that your car's paid off. Yes. And, and this car now has Hallelujah. to be sprayed with new car smell. <laughs> you know, but the new car smell. You still get well, the you smell. You can buy the spray. Yeah, but you can get the So smell. what I'm saying is Five that, bucks. you know, whenever whenever you are, are jealous or envious, you have really forgotten what God has given you and where you're at. Yeah. You know, there's this saying, you know, well, there's always somebody better off than you, and there's always somebody worse off than you. Mm. Uh, I find it interesting, this this paradigm. You ever just talk to somebody about their circumstances and you're like, gosh, I'm glad that's not me. Yeah. But the same goes with you. You'll share your... They're looking at you like, man, those are some... I'm glad I'm not you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so the dynamics is very interesting. So once again, uh, and this is another thing too. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We should never be judgmental of ministers or ministries that are successful, whether it's a, a, a mega church or whoever. And I've noticed that people criticize those that are successful. Sure they do. Whether it's in religious, you know... Oh, yeah. In the religious, you know... Whether they're criticizing Jeff Bezos... Or, or anybody, you know... For being oh, a billionaire. Oh, look at that billionaire or, and yeah. this and that, you know. And, and of course, you know, uh, I only bring this out because, like I said, you know, we are not to covet other people's things. So you know? to finish um, the little thing that I got out of Mike's point and some things that were brought up in my group by uh, Casey Anderson, um, who just came back from Hyavel for three months, she uh, has obviously got some some good insight. Um, 
But uh, they talked about it, that envy is a distrust of God's plan, right? So as Mike was mentioning, that God gives you 100% of his attention, and he's giving you blessings for the purpose that you would then overflow and bless others. So what God gives you is for you to bless other people, and what God gives everyone else is for them to be a blessing. And so the allotment that he gives everyone is also tied into your purpose. That's good. And and if what you're saying ultimately is that I, I I have a better plan than you do, God, I have a better purpose for me than you do, when in fact, obviously, his plan is better than your plan. And his ways are higher than our ways. Oh, man. His thoughts on our thoughts, you know. For uh, sure. And I'll give you a little example. You know, I thought for years that God would, would, would bring the two houses together through the Messianic Jews and the Gentiles, the nations coming back. But boy, was I wrong. Uh, wow, that just blew up in my face, you know. But God is doing something incredible uh, with the Orthodox Jews and with Christians today. There's this mutual respect, this reconciliation is happening, and it's off the charts. So once again, you know, we, we can have preconceived ideas, we can have unmet expectations, and I'm just glad that it didn't work out for me personally. So let's move on. And so um, actually, you know... Um, the Philistines, uh, they actually took the wells that Abraham's servants had dug in the past, and they stopped them and filled them with earth. Oh, man. Now, listen, water is an incredible, you know, substance that everyone needs water to oh, survive. Yeah. You can go without food, but boy, you cannot go without water. Now, I, I say that they did this out of spite. You know, uh, I always tell the story that uh, one time uh, I had a roommate, and uh, and I had a fan uh, and, and it was it was his fan, uh, the roommates, and I'll never forget this because it's an interesting story, you know, uh, going back. And so I had the fan, and he took it back, and I says, "No, I was using it." And he, we were fighting over it, and I just threw it down, threw it on the ground. It just kind of shattered, and I said, "Nobody gets it," you know. And it's like when you think about the things that we do out of spite. Well, if I can't have it, <laughs> yeah, you're not going to have it. Wow. And I know, and this is the thing we have to be careful of. Don't do things out of spite, yeah, because that's just pure evil. And matter of fact, I want to challenge all of you to, to check out the the. If you look up uh, the word evil, um, uh, it's actually uh, the connotation means it means nothing. See, because in God's kingdom, mm-hmm. in his in his reign, there is no evil. Right. It doesn't really exist, but it came about. So the evil inclination, things that have happened. So they stopped him and filled him with the earth. And so Abimelech wanted Isaac to depart from him because he was mightier than him. He goes, you got to get out of here, you know, and uh, relocate. So Isaac departed from Abimelech in the valley of Gerar and digged the wells again of his father Abraham. Now Isaac had herdmen of Gerar strive with him in regard to two wells that he had his servants dig called Essek, which means contention, and sitna, which means hatred. So here we go. They stopped them and filled them with the earth. This is, of course, the Philistines. Now he's moving on. He's asked to leave, and he's still being pursued by evil and 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 just bad motives, right? From from what? These are the herdmen of Gerar now. Mm-hmm. Before it was the Philistines doing this to him. Now he moves, and he's got trouble with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he wasn't well known in the neighborhood there as far as good. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Isaac's third well was called Rehoboth. It means room 
because there was no strife. Like rumor wow, you know, it's like we go through seasons of strife or contention or different things. And so he gets a reprieve there. He gets a break. Yeah. And I love this. When Isaac went to Beersheba, the Lord appeared to him and told him that he would bless him and multiply his seed for Abraham's sake. So you, do you see where there's a there's friction there? The enemy's at the gate, but Isaac pressed through. Yeah. You know, he battled the, the Philistines, uh, the men of Gerar, and he gets a well, and he's so excited. And he says, hey, I'm going to bless you, Isaac, you know. And so after the Lord appeared to Isaac, he built an altar, and then his servants digged a well, you know. And as we see this story unfold, Abimelech went from Gerar to Beersheba to make a covenant with Isaac that they would not hurt one another. Right, And after Isaac agreed to the covenant with Abimelech, his servants digged and found another well called Sheba, which is the well of the oath. It's where we get the city today, Beersheba, Ryan. Check this out. So I was sharing with Ryan earlier a quick story here for some of you. Uh, Back in 2016, I got to go to Beersheba a second time. I was there in 2015. But actually, the well of Beersheba sitting there, this civilization they've documented, you know, uh, as far as... uh, you know, uh, archaeology goes, uh, the, the settlement there, the community, <clears throat> over 5,000 years old of settlements of wow. people living there. That's unbelievable. I mean, America is only, what, time. close to 300 years? So I'm telling you the story because I was at the well of Abraham in Beersheba, the, at that well, and all of a sudden, I, like this sheet comes down, like this vision comes down, and, and on top it says Abraham's children on the top. And then there's these three columns come down these these three points come down which is of course what uh, Judaism Christianity and Islam so from Abraham we get Judaism Christianity and Islam these are his children these are his sons now from from Judaism shoots down this Jews for Jesus or Messianic Jews from Christianity drops down another tab you know and it actually says from Christianity Hebrew roots mm-hmm. now from Islam it comes down radical islam right the fruit that's what we see we've got the taliban isis shiite sunni all these different factions and and what i'm saying it's getting it seems to get more radical yeah you know we thought shiite was kind of radical and that's pretty much predominantly persia or iran today is shiite but i want to remind everyone that isis came out of sunnis Mm -hmm. you know so just when you thought it couldn't get radical enough now you have the the isis you know, the black flag with the white lettering. And, and I only say this because here are the three columns that come down. But this is what struck me though, Ryan. Under Hebrew roots, another tab comes down mm. and it says Beit Tehillah. Come on. Which is our congregation. That's and right. I just was like, Chris- now I know why Peter said a sheet came down and he saw these things, you know, and I, and I share that with all of you that have a vested interest in who you are and what you are, because don't let nobody steal that from you. So what I got from it was that Beit belongs to Yahweh. That's right. It's Yahweh's, you know, and so I just make sure that we go in the right direction. But I want to share that with you guys, because what an incredible time we had at the well in Beersheba, because I was sharing about the, the 10 things that are found in the Abrahamic covenant and all, and just, and, and I'd been there before a year before sharing that, but this time I went back a second time and I got this revelation. So from the Hebrews to the Christian faith, we got to have people that are mature and responsible, avoid foolish controversies, and let's do this thing. Let's have fruit. Let's be legitimate in our community. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, speaking of wells, uh, I have seven acres, and uh, we are not on public utilities. We have septic and well on our property for our house. And um, let's just say that... uh, 
I like to do things myself, you know, which is sometimes the bane of my existence and also the joy. And I, I had purchased a shed a few years back and it was pre-wired for electricity, but meaning internally, but doesn't have electricity going to it from the house. And so it's about 215 feet away from the electrical box. So from the electrical box to the shed, I've got to go under a driveway and then about 200 feet from there over to the shed of digging at least an 18 inch deep trench, right? So I tried doing it by hand and I, I dug a trench, but I only got about six inches deep all the way down. And that just wasn't deep enough. You know, once you start laying the cable down, you're like, yeah, that's not good. That's, that's not going to stay there. You know, six inches just isn't enough. So, um, I had found what I, what I thought was the well, you know, power line. And so it's heading east to west. And from where it's sitting, if you were to just look at the directions going, it looks like it's going straight towards the well. So I found it. I'm like, okay, here it is. I found it. We're good. I'm not going to mess up the well. So I go to Home Depot and I get a trencher, which I recommend if you ever need to dig a trench, don't do it by hand. Get a trencher. Um, I about broke my back digging what I dug. And then using a trencher is not easy, but it's definitely easier than digging an 18 inch trench yourself, especially with roots and everything. Work smarter, not harder. harder. So long story short, I get about 100 feet away from that other part. Remember where I said that I saw that the, the, the line takes a turn and goes towards the well? And I'm following the property line down towards, towards the shed, which is to the south. And lo and behold, uh, I hit something. And it's like, rah, 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 giving me the, some trouble. And then I look down, and there's a cut wire. So I text the guy that owned the property before me, and he says, oh, it probably is just the line that goes to the, the electric gate. And there, there was property next door to us that he sold off previously. And there was probably an electric gate there. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I ignored it. I kept going. I laid the cable. I buried it. All right. Now, around five o'clock, 530 rolls along. The well's not coming on. Uh, I go and I check the pressure on the well just in <coughs> case. And uh, it's down from like 55 where it normally is to like 27. You know what I mean? Not good. It's supposed to kick back on, I think, at like 40 pounds, back up to 55. So I cut the well. And uh, I go and I have to dig up the trench by hand now that I had just dug and covered up and buried. Now, this is a lot of work. If you've ever dug trenches, this is a lot of work. And digging, like I admire Abraham and Isaac for digging wells. Wow, that's a lot of work. Anyways, I go and I try to dig up and find the end of this cable. I find the one end, and man, I'm out there... Ashley, my wife, is holding the flashlight for me, and I'm digging, and I'm digging, and I'm digging, and I'm digging. I can't find the other end to save my life. Finally, it turns out that it's deeper. I end up finding this uh, other end of the well cable. I hook it up. Guess what? Doesn't work. Apparently, I cut the line more than once along, <laughs> along the way. So I ended up having to redig this trench all the way back down this line to lay new wire in order to have well power and power to my shed. And it's just one well. It's just one well. So all I can say is that I'm wondering what it is that God's trying to tell me. Why is it that the Torah portion talks about wells and having to redig wells and fix wells, and I'm having to do that same thing, not even thinking about it. Ashley brought it up to me. She says, you know, the Torah portion this week talks about wells with Isaac. And I'm like, oh, wow. I was almost in tears. I was just like, wow, God, what are you trying to tell me? And I still have yet to figure that out, by the way. So if you guys know what God's trying hey, to tell listen, me. Hey, listen, it is relevant for today. Oh, my gosh. I mean, think of it. So after Isaac agreed to the covenant with Abimelech, his servants digged and found another well called Sheba, the well of the oath. That's right. And like I said, when I got the revelation, I was at the well, and there was the city. And this is, of course, Beersheba. 
and of course, we go on to, to more, uh, you know, more drama here within the family. And Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judith, the daughter of Beri, the Heatite, and Bashmath, the daughter of Elon, the Heatite, which were a grief of mine unto Isaac and to Rebekah. Mm. You know, the Bible talks about being, you know, equally yoked in things. And so right. here he is marrying the women of the land. Right. You know, and even Nehemiah made a case against the, uh, against the Israelites or, or, or the Jewish people that, you know, they got in trouble because they were marrying these foreign wives and it was taking them away from Yahweh and the yeah. covenant made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So that's Genesis chapter 26, verses 34 and 35. Now we're going to get into some uh, serious, serious, we call it sibling rivalry on steroids. Um, in Genesis chapter 27, we're going to have Jacob steals Isaac's blessing, um, of course, uh, that was supposed to be given to Esau. That's the storyline. And of course, you know, Isaac loved Esau and, and he, you know, says, hey, you know, uh, I want to bless you before I die. You know, he, he wasn't sure how many more years he had left or whatever, but he says, before I die, I want to I want to personally bless you, Esau. Go and hunt me some venison, prepare it for a meal and bring it to me because, man, I love that stuff. I love that game. Uh, I love I love venison. So if you could do that, man, I want to bless you, Esau, because, you know, this is this is really nice for you to do this. Now, Rebecca overheard the conversation between Isaac and Esau, and she came up with a plan to get the blessing for Jacob instead of Esau. Now, let's stop right there real quick here. I know we, we got to move this thing along here. But remember, she was told the elder would serve the younger. Mm-hmm. So now she's jumping at it. Yeah. Now, what does this remind you of? Remember, it, Abraham and, and, and Sarah. Sarah were told they that from your own bowels you would have a child. Right. And Sarah says, go in unto my handmaiden, Hagar. And she, of course, as a wife, she said. Yeah. He elevated her from, from the handmaiden to a wife. It's all right there in the scriptures. And so she's going to jump the gun here. And so um, in Genesis chapter 27, verses 11 through 13, this is what it says. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father, peradventure, will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice and go fetch me them. Wow. Now, Rebekah put Esau's clothing on Jacob, along with the skins of the goats on his neck and his hands. Uh, and of course, uh, Jacob confessed twice to being Esau after bringing the savory meat to his father, Isaac, Genesis chapter 27, verses 19 and 24. So this plot is being played out, you know, and, and, you know, the mother basically said, let this curse be upon so, me. So twice he lies and says he's Esau, but he's honoring his mother. Yeah. He's doing exactly what his mother said to do, even mm. though it was wrong. He didn't feel good about it. Yeah. So I got to give kudos to Jacob for listening to his mother. But the sad thing is, when this all plays out, Ryan, he will never see his mother again. Mm. Now, she, you know, we're going to see how this plan unfolds. Uh, but I'll tell you, you know, uh, Jacob did succeed in fooling his father that he was Esau, his firstborn son. And there's some thought yeah. there that, that that Isaac knew because he says, oh, it's the voice of Jacob, but the but it feels like Esau, right. you know? There was something going on there. But yeah. it, but here's the, here's the thing. No matter why it played out, we don't know, but it did play out. So, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and uh, take it from here with Isaac gives the blessing. Um, Isaac gives the blessing. So he's going to give the blessing to Jacob, who he thinks is, of course, Esau, supposedly, 
And let's check. Go ahead and take us from there in the bullet points, too. So it's 28 and 29, uh, and it says, Therefore God give thee the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee, and blessed be every or be he that blesseth thee. So again, we see blessings of Abraham being passed down through this. And so so this happens, and now he gets the blessing and he moves on, right? So sometimes when And Lord over his brethren. Right. Boy, that's gonna play out later on with Joseph, isn't it? Oh, for sure. They'll bow down to you and this and that, and wow. So so he gets this blessing and then he hits the road. And then uh, Esau comes back from his journey of going to hunt. And, he's, and when Esau came in, just after Jacob had left, uh, he went to give the savory meat that he had prepared for Isaac. And his father trembled very exceedingly because he, he figures out what had happened. Oy vey! Because he had suspicions, but now it, it's been confirmed. And so after Esau found out that Isaac had given the blessing to Jacob, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and wanted his father to give him a blessing. Man, this was so sad. Boy, this is a drama. It really is. And so uh, here's, what, here's what, uh, what Isaac says to Esau. He says, uh, Thy brother came with subtlety and hath taken away thy blessing. And he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? So this is Genesis 27, 35, and 36, and, and this is, it just sounds so sad, right? He's just like, he comes with a blessing, he's all excited. He can't he take it back. And he, and he can't take it back. So here's what Isaac says to Esau. He says, And Isaac his father answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and the dew of heaven from above, and, thy sword shall, and by thy sword shalt thou live, and shalt serve thy brother, and it shall come to pass... When thou shalt have the dominion, that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. And that's Genesis 27, 39, and 40. You know, that's going to happen because Esau becomes what? The Edomites. That's right. That's right. And so Esau hated Jacob. They're still family. Um, because he, he stole his blessing. And so now Esau decides he's going to uh, to kill him after his father's death, which doesn't come until way later, by the way. Um, and so when Rebekah heard that Esau was going to kill Jacob, she comes up with another plan. She's a, she's a schemer, man. Um, she, she knows how to, she knows how to scheme. She's going to make it happen. She is. She's going to make it happen. So she planned to send, uh, Jacob away to her brother Laban's house in Haran until Esau's anger has subsided. And you can find that in verses 42 and 45. And then in, uh, verse 46, Rebecca did not want her son Jacob to take a wife from the daughters of Heth in the land. So this is the scheme she comes up with. She says that, all right, now that we know that uh, Esau wants to kill Jacob in order to protect Jacob, we'll, we're going to go ahead and send him to find a wife at Laban's house. And so then we move into chapter 28. And, and, and her intentions are, hey, you know, and I'll bring him back. Right. Esau will get over this and then I'll bring him back and, and we'll, be, we'll be good. And, and so let scripture interpret scripture, you know. And of course, uh, we're going to have here um, in Genesis chapter 28, uh, Jacob runs away from Esau, you know, and, um, you know, and, and so Isaac, he wanted Jacob to find a wife from the daughters of Laban instead of Canaan, you know, and that's what Isaac wanted. Uh, because once again, we already have the situation that, uh, of course, Esau marries what the Heatite women, the Heatites. That's right. You know, and, uh, 
the Hittites come to mind. Remember Uriah the Hittite? He was yeah. one of David's mighty men. So here we have uh, Esau married to the Hittites. And this story's played out now. And they're like, hey, man, we don't want Jacob doing what, what Esau has done. This is messing up our the promises of you know of Abraham and, uh, and, and Isaac. And so once again, Isaac passes on to Jacob the Abrahamic blessing before sending him to Padan Aran. Uh, he actually passes this blessing on, you know, and so he's giving him a little mandate. Uh, and in Genesis chapter 28, verses 8 and 9, And Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father, then went Esau unto Ishmael and took unto the wives which he had Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebajoth, to be his wife. So he's thinking, wow, you know, you sent Jacob off to get a wife and you weren't happy with the ones that I have. Well, I'll marry someone from Ishmael, the daughter of Ishmael. Yeah, which I don't I don't think that solves the same the issue there, but it, it it's certainly one way to think about it. No, no. I mean, so think about this story being played out, everybody. You know, we, we have an interesting story. Oh, for uh, sure. You know, and like I said, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, to look at the principles that are, of course, found within this story. You know, uh, even today, I, I use the term active family, inactive family. Yeah. And we want to be the active family, the one that are acting upon the promises of God, you know, being obedient. You know, it was interesting that we had prayer yesterday from 10 to 12 on Mondays. And at the very end of prayer, the Lord was showing me something very, very profound, you know. And, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again, and I've said it publicly, and I'm saying it over the podcast that I believe, even though everyone's working, I think through the, those that are retired and our homeschoolers, we could fill up uh, our sanctuary on Monday mornings. And and this is what, what came to my mind. And thinking about praying the things of God and to, and to have prayer, pray without ceasing. Uh, but the thing is, you got to look at obedience. What is obedience going to allow us to do? Obedience allows us to come to prayer and pray. And what happens is we can push out evil and darkness and we can do that through our prayers and then what happens because what does it say submit yourself to god resist the devil he'll flee from you so if we take it seriously the prayers and the enemy and then what the lord showed me then you get revelation and instruction and you get the desires of your heart you get the fruition of what god truly wants to do through you remember that what do you want to show for your life you know, and, I, and I'll share this from my own heart. I want to build up a strong community. I want to raise up the next generation. I want to be a part of God's redemptive plan, this progressive revelation that God is unfolding for we were born for such a time as this. Even all of you listening to this podcast, do not take the Torah lightly. Take it to heart. This is real. You know, and as we even discuss, you know, what did we get from this particular portion of scripture? The thing that I got that really stood out to me, and I'm going to let Ryan share in closing, but this is what I want to share. God might reveal something to you that is a truth, a revelation, but let him walk it out because the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. But what are you saying, Pastor Nick? What I'm saying is that how can we make Aliyah to Israel right now? We can't. How can we do this or how can we do that? You know, God's going to have to make a way. Well, what about the restoration, the regathering of the whole house of Israel made up of Jews and non-Jews? Well, God is going to have to do it. I can't make it happen. I can't interfere. There's a term called birthing an Ishmael. Amen. 
And so we don't want to do that. And once again, Rebecca did the same thing. It's in our family line. We try to jump the gun. We try to make something happen, and it just doesn't work. So, Ryan, what do you think about this this story unfolding right before our very eyes? So that's that's my thought. Yeah, yeah. So I've got um, I've got a couple thoughts here from last night. We have our our points that we finish up with at the end of uh, every every Torah study that we come up with as a consensus of our group. And uh, the first one that we came up with was, um, would Rebecca have still favored Jacob if God hadn't told her that Jacob would have been, uh, or that the older would serve the younger? And, uh, the, I mean, the answer is easy, right? God's plan would have happened anyways. If you actually look at, I think it's Esther chapter 4, um, verse 14, it says here, uh, for if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, this is the book of Esther, chapter 4, verse 14, um, if you hold your peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arrive to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? So everybody knows the for such a time as this, as this verse, but the point here is, hey, God's given you your marching orders, right? Uh, walk in them. And so, you know, obviously God's plan happens despite uh, what other people have done. And it's interesting how, how that kind of plays out. And then um, the, the, the second point that we came up with was regarding um, the envy and just how, you know, don't, don't distrust God's plan. You know, be thankful. I mean, this is, we have Thanksgiving coming up this week. Be thankful for God's plan. Be thankful for what God has given you. Thanksgiving is is the answer, not uh, looking at other people and wishing that you had what they had, because then you wouldn't be in God's will. God's will is is where you are today. And so, um, man, what a packed tour portion. There is just a lot in there. I tell you what. <laughs> there is just a lot. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Again, if you're in any of those places I mentioned, uh, I want to hear from you. I just want to know who you are, where you are. Uh, how you're listening, um, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net. Ryan, at twopraise.net. You can also live stream our services every Shabbat. That's every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, either on our website at twopraise.net or uh, going to any of our social media platforms, YouTube, uh, Facebook, uh, and all the rest. You can also give on our website. Just hit the Give tab there at the top at twopraise.net and uh, all kinds of other cool stuff that you can do with us through our website, through communicating with us, uh, talking to us. We can we can kind of get you whatever you need. And so uh, praise God. We love you guys. Bless you. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving and uh, have a great week. <laughs>